everyone, and thank you for joining us for our last week of our Lenten series, Knowing You, Jesus. This week we're going to look at how we can know the cross of Jesus as it is a cross of victory. And we're going to be looking directly in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 31. And this is what it says, talking about Christ crucified as God's power and His wisdom. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved by its power, it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligent of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Where is a wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Verse 22. Jews demand signs and Greeks look back for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Verse 25. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger and human strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things, and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore it is written, Let no one who boasts only boast in the Lord. And that's going to be our scripture today for Easter Sunday, which is, in a lot of cases, the best day of the Christian calendar. It was once said of D.L. Moody when he was young that he was suddenly called upon to preach a funeral sermon. He hunted all through the four Gospels trying to find one of Christ's funeral sermons, but he searched in vain. He found that Christ broke up every funeral ever attended because the reality is death could not exist where Christ was. When the dead heard his voice, they sprang to life because Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And that's directly from John chapter 11, verse 25. So here we are today on Easter Sunday because of a story like this. Because death turns to life. So today is a great day. Today we welcome Easter. Easter is an annual reminder that evil will never have the last word. And this year, we need that reminder more than ever. You might even pray nightly, Come quickly, Lord Jesus. When life is going according to plan, the notion of resurrection can feel nice, but not necessarily necessary. But when the rug has been ripped out from underneath us, the idea of resurrection becomes a much-needed lifeline, something we cling to fervently because we need to be reminded that hurt and heartache aren't going to have the final say. When we are at our lowest, the idea of resurrection brings us new life. A hard-fought determination that God can bring beauty from ashes. With Easter happening, here are a few things to keep in mind. On a hill outside Jerusalem, there are three empty crosses. They are stained with blood and countless condemned people. Spike holes silently point to death that took place there on Golgotha 
and perhaps discarded bloody clothing is scattered around that hill. The reality is Galgotha was the place where life ends. It's a place where death sentences were carried out. It's not a place where kids would play. It's not a place where people would come to get a nice view of the city and to take uh, Instagram photos of each other. It's not a place of death. It is a place of total ending. There's no joy there. It's not a pleasant place to be. And what takes place on this little hill has nothing beyond it, with one exception. The religious leaders of the day thought they had masterminded Jesus' arrest. They thought they had taken him by surprise. They thought that they had orchestrated his entire trial, which was illegal even according to their law. They held it at night in secret. And they thought that they had manipulated the Roman government leaders to have him condemned to death. Remember what Pilate said to Jesus in John chapter 19, verse 10. He says, Don't you realize I have the power either to free you or to crucify you? The reality is Pilate didn't know the power that he did not have. Jesus' response to him was, You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. So today we look at the cross, because the cross is not a place of failure. It was not a place of finality. It's not a place where evil won. It is simply a place of victory. And of course, those who had to watch the execution knew this well. They thought, hey, this is not the plan. This is what not what was supposed to happen to Jesus. What happened to that kingdom that he spoke of? Didn't he say he was a king? Kings didn't get executed like common criminals. And why didn't his angels just come down and stop everything that was going on? But if they had listened to what he had been trying to teach them the entire time, they would have known that this was the plan all along. John chapter 10, verses 17 through 18 says, The reason that my Father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. When we say that Jesus gave his life, this is what we mean that he gave up his life for us, though that we might have life. His life was not taken from him, it was his choice. Jesus knew what was going to take place and exactly when. We know this because John chapter 12 verse 27 tells us this, that John is praying to the Father and says, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Jesus also tells his disciples that a particular evening is going to happen, that the shepherd will be stricken and the sheep will be scattered. Then he says, after I am risen, you'll meet with me in Galilee. So we see a lot of things here where Jesus is kind of referring to a specific time. Because after he had finished praying, he saw the soldiers coming and he comments about it. He says, look, my time has come when I will be betrayed and placed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. And we know immediately in the scripture, Judas comes and he kisses him. In these chapters of John, we sense uh, intimacy that Jesus had with his closest friends. Because he tries to tell them what is going to take place. And they simply don't understand. We also know that he tells them that one of them is going to betray him. 
Jesus also prays to his father and says, My time has come. And immediately following this prayer, he was arrested. And this was not a surprise to him. We even see that when he was hanging on the cross, we see some other things that we need to be reminded of, especially when we're looking into the Gospel of John. His hands and his feet were fastened to the cross with spikes. He bled profusely. He tried to push himself up so that he could gain breath. He knew exactly what was going on, and he was in control of everything that afternoon. We see that again in John 19:28, Knowing all that was completed, and so the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. And when he had received the drink, he said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. He knew that his crucifixion was the fulfillment of ancient prophecy. It's all over the place. He knew that all of the prophecies had been fulfilled. So after they had, he declared it is finished. He didn't say, I'm given up, or I've completed the task I came to do. He said, it is finished. It wasn't a statement of resignation or surrender. It was a statement of victory. It was a statement of accomplishment. It was not only a cross of victory when it took place, but it's also a cross of victory for us today. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, A message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. Because Jesus made himself nothing. He took the very nature of a servant. He was being made in human likeness. He humbled himself, and he became obedient to death even death on a cross. It is because of the cross that we can have victory today. It wasn't victory long ago or yesterday. It's victory every day, even for tomorrow. Because Christ died for sins once and for all, for the righteous and the unrighteous. Maybe you're listening to this this evening, and maybe you're thinking that you're not very worthy uh, of the sacrifice that Christ has given. 1 Peter 3.18 tells us quite the opposite. It said, Christ died once and for all for the righteous and the unrighteous. That's all of us. And we also see in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So we see lots of things here out through the lens of the cross, because Jesus took our, our disobedience, our defiance to him, our greed, our selfishness, uh, our selfish attitudes, our sinfulness, and he replaced him with righteousness and purity and holiness and grace and the spirit of truth. So truly it was not a cross of termination or sorrow, anguish, finality, or death, but it was a cross of victory. I think that's really important to mention this Easter Sunday because... The reality is many of us see a cross uh, maybe as a symbol of defeat or something that happened so long ago. Uh, Maybe we see it uh, and it looks a little bit more dim than it used to. Uh, But the reality is the cross is our victory. Uh, The cross changes everything. Um, The empty tomb changes everything. Today we're not serving a God who's tired or asleep or on vacation. We're serving a God who's among us. He's here. 
He's actively seeking us out and partnering with us in this world to spread His love, mercy, and grace. And I can't help but think back to the illustration that I shared about Dwight L. Moody um, being called upon to preach a funeral sermon. And every time he tried to find a scripture of Jesus uh, being a part of a funeral, the dead came alive. And the reality is that's what he does for us even today. Those dead parts in us, those places that need to be revived, uh, those places can be alive again. Um, Those places don't have to remain. Those places aren't locked away in a tomb never to come out. The reality is death turns to life with Jesus, and Jesus can turn the death of your life into new life with him. So don't wait on times to get bad to be able to reach out for resurrection. Resurrection is something that we can live every day of every every moment and share with everyone around us. So today, let's be an Easter people. Let's live new exciting lives filled with holiness, grace, and mercy because we serve a risen Savior who gives us new life. He doesn't give us death. He gives us life. So may today we be able to proclaim, like we looked at last week, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Save, save us now. And may we not be in that group that just a few days later we're shouting crucify. We can live new lives today. And so thank you for joining us for our last week of our Easter message, a message of victory as we look at how we can know Jesus through the cross. If you have any questions or concerns, feel free to leave them on our, on our, uh, on our Facebook page or on our Anchor page. And again, thank you for joining us uh, for our last week. Take care and have an awesome Easter. God bless.